With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to, Welcome to Mile High Hockey Lab. Mile High Hockey Lab. Hello, my name is Adrian Hernandez. Welcome to the Mile High Hockey Lab for the second time for our panel here. You're going to hear me rattle off our introduction stuff, but head on over to the website, milehighhockey.com. Um, follow us on Twitter. Subscribe to us on YouTube and like us there as well. Uh, all that good stuff. Uh, my initial introduction was way better, which is super sad because now <laughs> I, I feel say, like... Take two. Take two. My fault. We're, no, that's not your fault. I'm glad you brought it to our attention because we would have been an hour deep and I wouldn't have pressed go live and that would have been even more embarrassing. So <laughs> I'm glad you caught it. Somebody's doing their job, not me. But anyway... <laughs> This is the Mile High Hockey Lab, a podcast and broadcast dedicated to all things Colorado Avalanche. I'm here with Evan, Jackie, and Ezra, three of the contributors at Mile High Hockey. We already started talking about this, and I preface it a little bit with, you know, the Avs lost in overtime to the Seattle Kraken uh, for the third straight loss in three games. Um, And then I was sending the question on over to Evan. Are you concerned with that three loss streak, or is it just a bump in the road for you? I'm a little bit concerned, um, mostly just because of the way that they've played. Right. Um, obviously, Dallas was just a game to forget. Um, they, they did show at least some good, like, fight back there in the third period. Got a couple goals there. But, I mean, outside of that, that was just a disastrous game. Just forget yeah. it move on to the next one. And then, of course, Seattle, you know, you have a lead uh, that – you take to two minutes to go in the third period and then you lose it right then. But really Seattle was all over the abs for almost the entire game. It, it felt like for that matter. So um, to kind of see the abs get put down as like the way they were the last couple of games is concerning. And it's been like this, you know, all year long, like yeah. it's never really been, we have not seen very much of that dominant abs, you know, blowing teams out of the water that we did last season. And, you know, while, while I'm not hoping for that, and I wish, we, I mean, we all wish that was the case, but we just want them to play better hockey than they have done, I feel like, at least for the last couple of games. Yeah, I think I would agree with you on that in terms of, like, it's not so much that they're losing, it's how they're losing. And we, I have a question like that, I think, in the script right now. So I'll, I'll send it over to Jackie, though, with this one. Um, the Avs are going to play 13 games in 24 days with, a, uh, I think, a couple back-to-backs here in March. Um do you think that bodes well for a team like the Owls who seem to be still working their way through some injuries and working their way through losing momentum and gaining it, or is it a detriment? Um, the only positive I can see, because I do think it will uh, give them a lot of wear and tear, and they already look mentally fatigued at points, is that they do tend to do better when they're in a rhythm. And yeah. so I think hockey players are very conditioned that every other day – the the play and then recover and then then rinse and repeat so um they they actually did really well through the stretch of the back-to-backs with the extra days off and everything so 
I do think that the schedule coming up will benefit them in that way. It's just a matter of as long as it's not too physically taxing will be the issue. Yeah, that's what I'm worried about, specifically when you're trying to get people back into the lineup. Um, It's hard for them to come back and then go straight into a gauntlet of games where you're basically playing every other day for the entire month. Maybe that helps some guys, like you mentioned. Like I know for a fact McKinnon has mentioned before that he prefers to play more often because, like you said, it it helps the the groove, the get into a good groove. In um, the car too. Yeah. He really needs like consistency, and then that helps his game. Right. So which, Ezra, we we touched side, the, side note ahead, just about my car. Just about my car. His sad comment after last night's game. I'm the common denominator when I enter the lineup. The Avs just lose. I was like, oh, Kale. Oh, my heart. <laughs> oh, that's pretty funny. Interview. That does sound so The humble, the humble Kale McCarr once again. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but, my heart. Yeah, we touched a little bit on this a second ago about, you know, not how they're losing or what that they're losing, but how they're losing. How, what are the things in how they're losing, Ezra, that stand out to you negatively and, and are cause for concern? Yeah, I mean, I think the the thing that stands out to me is that, especially in the Dallas game, goals were kind of finding their way in that hadn't been finding their way in recently, um, which I think you can take as both a positive and a negative because Alexander Yorgiev is better than that. You know, we saw in Seattle he bounced back and was fantastic. They still found a way to lose, but he was fantastic. Um, and, And I think, like, goals finding their way in is uh, the kind of thing that happens to teams that aren't, um, you know, possessing the puck enough, basically. So, so that's where it is a cause for real concern, even though I do think that Georgiev would stop uh, at least a chunk of those goals that went through on most nights. Um, And, and, you know, I think it, it comes down to just the pace of play seems to be something that the Avs can't keep up with right now. And it's weird. It's just, it's just been one week of this because, you know, before this three game losing streak, they were very good for a bit. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm not overly concerned because I do know we just saw who they can be with some of these guys who are out of the lineup, still out of the lineup. Uh, but having having said that, you know, if they're slowing down because of it, then uh, because of this long season and because I don't know, I, I look at I look at what happened uh, and I see a team that thought they were getting reinforcements back, was gearing up for that and then immediately lost guys again. Yeah, I can only imagine that's emotionally deflating. And then yeah. just trade deadline go by when you're expecting maybe some reinforcements and you're not getting those. I could see that being emotionally deflating too. Um, so, you know, I think this team is, is more who we saw two weeks ago than who we saw last week, but, uh, but last week was definitely concerning. Yeah. Yeah. That's my, that's, I totally agree with you in terms of like, it was looking like the stars were aligning for a pretty hot Colorado avalanche team in the month of March with a pretty solid, healthy lineup. And then we saw Manson and, Nichushkin and Kankuz and, and Landis Gog are still not progressing the way we kind of thought they were. Um, Jackie, do you have updates on any of those guys? Or Evan, do you have an update on any of those guys? No, you go first, Jackie. I'll, um, my comments I'm will follow. I'm trying to think what the latest would be on these guys. Um, let's see. Uh, Landy, he has been on the ice i don't know about every single day but fairly consistently so that's encouraging but um he's just gonna have to condition for so long even if like the knee feels good yeah that he pretty much has to like 
practice hard for several weeks. So we're definitely not there yet. Um, I still believe that they'd probably like to see him early April. And I don't think that's off the table yet. Um, yeah. There he is. <laughs> Please, a little bit better than that. Yeah. Um, Helm, I just, I just can't count on anything there. I, he he did skate a few times in the last week, but you just you can't even predict what's going on there, really. Um, let's see. Someone I'm said EJ this. had It looks the like boot. it's slow motion. This is great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Someone said EJ had the boot off last night, and I think McFarland said that they would maybe have a little bit of an in, an update on EJ this week. <clears throat> That's curiously the McFarland interview that never made it to getting posted anywhere. Interesting. So um, cannot verify that comment that he made. So I do feel like we'll see EJ. I don't know. The whole thing like, oh, he de he's definitely done. I'm not quite sure about that, but okay, let's see who else. Manson, um, he left the New Jersey game. Uh, ben said he'll miss some time. We haven't heard anything else after that so probably a few weeks there um am i missing anyone well nuke was sick and then he played yesterday so just kind of par for the course for him like all these little things are adding up where he misses a game here and there but he's still toughing it out basically have have we heard anything on Franco's at all or has it still been oh kind okay of radio um i think Bednar said three to four weeks, whenever that was. So how many weeks are we about? Like two to three now? I think, yeah. I was going to say, I think that was two weeks ago. Yeah. So <laughs> it does seem like he's still on track. Like he's at the practice facility. He's obviously not on the ice. So I'd say maybe that's fair, like within a couple weeks still. We'll see. Um, but yeah, you know, they don't like to give us real updates. So a lot of this is guesswork. But yeah, I exactly. think that's about where we're at. So, I guess to sum it up, Helm, who knows, landing EJ maybe in April sometime, the rest maybe a few weeks from now. So, real specific. Yeah. <laughs> it just feels like everything just keeps getting pushed back. Um, I feel like a, a patient wife who's waiting to get married and the groom just keeps changing the day of the wedding. Um, well, this is where I get into, like, they need to accept yeah. reality. Like, it, I, I said this like three months ago. There's no such thing as healthy. Like you just can't keep waiting for it to happen. Yeah. It's like it's That's like you're point. waiting for perfection. At some point, you just need to say like, "This is about as good as it gets." I mean, honestly, with with Nuke. Some back point you got to say, "Let's get married in Vegas." Pretty much is <laughs> yeah, what I'm hearing. Right. Mm -hmm. With Nuke back in, okay, they're missing Manson. Other than that, this is about as good as it gets. Like, you just kind of have to deal with it and move on. Yeah. I hope Evan's not getting swatted. He just got a knock at his door and <laughs> and left. But, uh, yeah, that's that's a good point. Maybe you're right. Maybe I'm setting myself up for failure and, and hoping that there there will be, like, a long-term um, a long term of having mostly everyone in the lineup. Ezra, do you have anything to add to that? Well, I mean, I think regardless of who's – in the lineup, there are are there are so many good players still that that Jackie's right. We can't expect full health, so it is. It comes down to just executing with who they have. Um, and you know, I don't know the the 
<laughs> these three games, uh, or at least two of these games coming after the deadline where they didn't acquire anybody is definitely uh, kind of putting the focus <laughs> right on not bringing in somebody on defense, if I'm being honest. Um, so it, it's kind of frustrating, but I, I, I do think that, you know, as guys get healthy and get back into the lineup, things can change. So we'll see. Is kind of what I'm, <laughs> I, I'm story not as bullish as I was on Friday. I'll say that. <laughs> yeah, I was feeling good on Friday when we were doing the trade deadline. I was like, "Oh man, no wonder they're not making moves. Things are going right." And then, in, what a week's time, basically not even like three days, four days. Yeah, the outlook seems to have shifted not crazily. Nothing no. too intense, but it's definitely been like a little slice of humble pie, yeah. I yeah, and, so. and like I said before, I still believe this team is the team we saw two weeks ago, not the team yeah. that we saw this week. But but it, there is cause for concern because, uh, I, you know, I, I don't want to put any – I don't think any of these losses have been squarely on the bottom pair defense in any way. That's a crazy thought. But it is – very uh it, it's telling to see a dallas team that can just throw brad hunt to the ground multiple times again in the game and like what's he gonna do he's a small dude he's doing his best he's a good player but you know it'd be nice to have somebody who can stand up to them a little bit and i don't mean like a curtis mcdermott stand up to them by pretending to fight but i do mean like you know just just guys who can dig in a little bit harder than than yeah. than brad can and i don't know just just a little bit of another option on that third pair like a like a uh andreas england for example <laughs> yeah we we uh oh man that bothers me the old the old england thing not not that like just to yeah. get back for just for a second it's not, yeah, not that we hash we, all this but <laughs> not that we brought johnson back it's that we lost england right we can talk about this forever but yeah. but yeah because big farland said you can never have enough defense and then that they and they didn't keep the extra guy around, but what would it have yeah. cost if it wasn't England? And then that's what we just don't know. Yeah, yeah, right. That, that yeah, there's, there's logic to how it happened. It's still like there's a missing piece. It's more than likely the only way they would have done it, or otherwise, I think they would have done it another way. Yeah, I think that's safe yeah. to assume. Yeah, I, I feel like for me, if you have McCarr and Taze and Byram and Gerard and and they're in the lineup. Like, your defense is going to be better than the other teams regardless. Yeah. And, like, they definitely were missing Manson in the Dallas game because he yes. does bring a little bit of that physical element. And then you didn't have Nuke in that game either. So that really hurts your forecheck. Yeah, so it's true. Like, would... all four players who are good in front of either net were out. <laughs> so yep. it's – and Dallas is a team that is very good in those areas. So it's, it's, it's a tough matchup without the big guys. But what – Probably the concern for me, like post deadline, and not that I wanted them to go get like Max Domi and all their problems were solved, but it's strange to me how Bednar even said that McKinnon and Rantanen did not have their best games, yet he still rode them like mules, played them over 20 minutes. He said that the new hook line was good and Mulgan scored, and they took two shifts in the third period. So we're back to like, totally miss I don't want to say mismanaged but just it's so lopsided and we're past the deadline here like this is the reality you have to accept the only forward you might get back is Landy like this is your group and and we're back at like marginalizing the entire bottom six yeah which you would think that's who you want to get going heading into the playoffs because 
as it always turns out, those are the those are the two lines, especially the third line. I feel like that usually have like those weird impact goals. Um, look no further than JT Comfort last year in the playoffs. Um, so, I, I yeah, it's cause for concern. But I think, like we've all said, the team as is, I think they they have what it takes to compete. I think any team with uh, Nathan McKinnon and Miko Rantanen has a puncher's chance. Um, but that's not what we thought we were going to have in terms of chances heading into this regular season as defending cup champions. So it's a little bit, I think this year for abs fans is probably a harder pill to swallow than in any other type of situation, given that they just won the cup. Mm -hmm. So that's going to exacerbate reaction. No, no doubt. Um, I did send out the live poll of the week. Um, and if you don't know, we send out a live poll every week on Twitter just to kind of get a beat on what fans are thinking, you can follow us at at mhh underscore lab. Um, you can also follow the website at, at Mile High Hockey. The question today was: There are 42 points up for grabs with 21 games remaining in the regular season for the Avalanche. How many of those 42 points do you think they will win? Option one is 27 to 30, which is about which is roughly 70 percent. Option two is 24 to 26, which is roughly 60 percent. And the third is 20 to 23 at roughly 50%. And then the final option is less. Uh, right now, I have some early responses. Somebody said 43. Nice. Love it. <laughs> their, Stanley, their name is Stanley Cup champion. So they, they're, they're an optimistic <laughs> fan. But 34%. I want to say 43%. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's rough. Um, 40 or excuse me, 34% of fans say they'll win 70% roughly 50% say roughly 60. Wow. That's going to get confusing. Half of people think <laughs> roughly 60% and 12% of voters think they'll get 20 to 23 points. That was kind of my point in, in dishing this question because I wanted to see how reasonable it was to think that the Avs could still win the central division, even though just three games ago, it was definitely on the table. Um, but when you do the math with what's left, it's about the, the, the to keep pace with where Dallas is right now, they'd have to finish with 104 points. That would mean winning like 71.4% of the remaining games. Um, Evan, I'll start with you. What was your answer to this poll and why? Uh, I'll say around 60%. Um, I mean, that's where they're, that's what their winning percentage has been, Yeah, you know, for the last little while. So I feel like that's probably an accurate description and probably an accurate answer i feel like um and in terms of like in terms of like catching dallas i i think especially looking at that dallas game that that to me made it seem like that mm, i don't know about that anymore yeah. you know um with dallas still being hot um and the abs going the wrong direction um you know with the two kind of with the two going in opposite directions you would either need you would need both the Avs to have a really good, you know, March and April and also Dallas to falter. Yeah. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, I don't think Dallas' schedule is too difficult either, to be honest. I, I, I have I to go look at it. at it. Actually, it's not that much harder than ours, but they do have all their games against Seattle. They have games <laughs> against Edmonton. The, the Pacific Powers are games that they have left. Okay. looks like they've already gotten out from under their Pacific Bottom Feeder games. Uh, or they've already gotten those ones out of the way. And Colorado's playing a lot of those Pacific bottom feeders. So there is still an opportunity here, I think. Yeah. So like, 
you the Avs need to convert on those chances against bottom feeders like tomorrow night against the Sharks, and yeah. they also need Edmonton. I mean, Edmonton's also just in this in the race themselves. Like they're they're looking for anything they can get um, out of their out of their playoff chances, out of the games that they have left. So Dallas is definitely going to be one that they're going to be circling on their calendars. Um, so that would definitely be fighting. Same with Seattle. Um, I mean, that, that's why I said last night was probably a four-point night for both teams. Yeah. No, they're not, you know, division rivals. It's just because they are so close in the standings. So, um, you know, it, it both need to happen. Both the Avs need to get better, and Dallas also needs to falter. And I don't know. We might get one of them, but we might not get both of them. You're muted, yeah, I mean, Adrian. looking at the, the the schedule uh, one more time, looking at at, at ours now, at Colorado's, uh, the big games for Colorado against like other than you know games they have to win against about against beatable teams, but the, the big games are, are uh, Toronto in in about a week, uh, uh, and then Dallas in, in the beginning of April. Though the, uh, there's a bunch of games mixed in there that are against winnable teams and some that are against playoff bubble teams like you know in ottawa or pittsburgh but the the real strong teams there's only two games between now and the next dallas game uh that that look like that which is the kings i guess i should include yeah. <laughs> the kings in it later this week and then and then that toronto game and then after that dallas game it's san jose san jose los angeles anaheim edmonton winnipeg nashville so th- there's a lot of winnable games on this on this calendar for for colorado yeah dallas, and- on the other hand They've got a bunch of, like I said, the Pacific powers. They've got Seattle, Calgary. Uh, all their games against Seattle and Calgary are still yet to be played. It looks like, except wow. no, they, they they played one Calgary game, and then they've got uh, they've got Vegas as well, and some of those same uh, Eastern middling teams. So it's 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 possible. It's possible. Uh, yeah, and. I that's interesting. That's a little bit of a deeper look too, because like if that if you look like you said at the as schedule in, in the next coming weeks, it really is like Arizona, <laughs> yeah, Arizona, Pittsburgh, Chicago, Detroit. There's a lot of Ottawa and you know Montreal in there too. So yeah, the abs they have the matchups to possibly get into the seventy percent of points area. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah. I still think a hundred points gets you in. Or yeah, even, even yeah. 98 points gets you in. So people who are concerned about the Avalanche not making the playoffs altogether, Jackie, what's your like reaction to that? Oh, yeah, I think they'll make it uh, because, um, if, well, it's kind of between Calgary and Nashville, and Nashville's over Calgary now. And so, like, there's just no way the Avs are worse than Nashville. I, I refuse to believe it. So <laughs> you're really only worried about Calgary, and they're really sinking. So I think they're a pretty good bet to make the playoffs. I mean, just even their point last night moved them up from the second wild card in back into a central division playoff right. spot. So um, unless they really went on a, a losing streak, I I don't think that's really on the table. So I guess in some way that's, um, I don't want to say easier, but just takes a little bit of the pressure off that they're not going to have to do anything crazy to really solidify a playoff spot. And for the record, I also think about 600 as 60% winning percentage. Yeah, that's because that lines up, like Evan said, with what they've done so far this year. I wonder, it'll probably, I'm hoping it dances in that, in between those two brackets, like a 65, 
you get a 65, I think you can end up with the second seed in the central. And obviously that only matters in the first round, but it matters in the first round. And I think the first round might be, might prove to be one of the more difficult um, playoff series for the avalanche, just based on the way it's shaking up um, in the West. So, cause it's looking like they'll either play Minnesota. They'll probably play Minnesota, right? That's what we're looking at. It's probably should they tank for wild card two and play against the Pacific. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a now we're talking Vegas NBA. Now we're talking NBA stuff here because they actually do things like that to position themselves differently in the playoffs. I don't know that we've ever heard of a team tanking in the NHL to for playoff position. That's an interesting theory, Jackie. Yeah, it's mostly <laughs> a joke, but, but I, yeah, I agree with you. I, like, it would be nice if they could avoid Dallas in the first round, which if they do. Um, you know, at least stay out of the bottom spots. They should, like, uh, third, even third in the division should avoid that. So, um, it's interesting because Winnipeg has faltered so much, and now would that be a good matchup? Maybe, maybe not. And then, like, like you're saying, Minnesota would be the other option. Um, so I guess at this point, I'd rather do Winnipeg than Minnesota, but. Same. We'll see, we'll see how the rest of the six weeks go. Ezra, you didn't look all that concerned when she said Minnesota over Winnipeg. Neither of you them know, scare you? No, neither yeah. of them scares me. But I, I also said Dallas didn't scare me last week, so what do I know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it's funny. I, I watch uh, so much avalanche hockey that I don't have I, – I can't couldn't possibly watch all the other teams. So my perceptions of teams sometimes are from three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> or the games that we play against. So I mean, I know the Avs yeah. have played Minnesota pretty well this year. Uh, they had trouble with Winnipeg the first two, but obviously the last one went pretty well. Um, so yeah, I guess it, um, just I think the rivalry makes a playoff series like that against Minnesota closer and tighter. Doesn't mean that I necessarily think they'll lose to them, but just when you add emotion and the, and the rivalry aspect, I think it becomes a little bit more of a coin flip. And I don't mm-hmm. know if that favors the Avs, but like I said, not that I don't think they're as good as Minnesota because the talent and, and the team that they are should be able to beat them in a series. Just, we haven't, it's weird. We haven't played them in, um, I don't think we played them in a series since the McKinnon's, miracle year, right? Yeah, yeah. Since <laughs> so, McKinnon juked homeboy out of his socks. yeah so it is kind of funny how it's it's just lined up that way with that the abs never played minnesota so maybe it's finally time for that but um, yeah it just feels like they're gonna have to beat minnesota and then vegas and then dallas because they haven't right yeah i just i can totally see that version of the revenge tour yep i can totally see that i'm trying to think who did who did Tampa play in their 2020 run, 2021 run? They had, and I always had Vegas and then Montreal because of that weird, weird last two rounds. That. But who were their first two rounds? I was to say Nashville Plum- in that weird division. I thought Nashville had Carolina in that in the Maybe. first round. Then. Yeah, the Islanders. No, I, I'm pretty sure they played the Islanders. Yeah, they did. That's You're right. right. Islanders sound right, and then I want to say like Columbus because I know Columbus was I mean, Columbus at that time, them, and they never got the like they never got the revenge for the sweep. 
No, they um, did because they beat them in the bubble. Tampa beat Columbus in the bubble. Oh, they did? Okay, I'm wrong. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think it was in what that order we just described. Something like that. I, yeah. I don't know. I'm just trying I'm trying to think it personally. Was, uh, it was – I've got it in front of me. It was Florida, Carolina. Florida. Oh, it was uh, Carolina. The Islanders. Wow. Okay. I'm glad I remember. Montreal, Montreal played Vegas. That's who – that's right. Yeah, yeah Montreal played God, Vegas. Yeah. That's how much I forgot about that playoffs because we don't talk about that. It's just so but, messed up. Yeah. <laughs> it's, but, so but, yeah. So back up, so messed up. But I, anyway, I'm trying to think of, like, the Avs this season as – as Tampa 2021. That's what I'm trying. That's what I'm trying to picture them as right now. Of like, because Tampa, they obviously had their challenges with the injuries. They didn't have. We could really use like year. a 30 day break right now. Or that too. <laughs> it's like they had the two weird ones. They had yeah. the bubble playoffs and mm-hmm. then the weird division playoffs. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. Of course, those are very different circumstances. But I'm also just trying to think in that mindset of like, oh, yeah. you know, if Tampa did this, we can't. We can too, right? Yeah. The, fighting the injuries. Probably going through some of the hardest teams. I mean, when you look at Tampa's That's run, Florida, Carolina, Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they Florida, won Carolina. The in a while, right? Like that year they got swept by Columbus. Wasn't that the last year they won the division? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. In that, in that wild 2019 so, playoffs. But so, yeah, yeah, it doesn't even matter to them to, to win the division. I think that's the takeaway that you can have to like compare us to them is, yeah, it doesn't really matter. They don't need the top seed, they don't even need. They're gonna oh, play nice. Toronto, and we know it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean? That look at look at how Tampa's done the last couple of days. Yeah. I have I have Stephen Stamkos on my fantasy team, and I'm just like, oh, God terrible, damn it! Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> wonder wonder no. if they're tanking to not play Toronto in the first round. <laughs> oh, they'd Ooh. have to tank pretty far. They, they wouldn't yeah, tank because no, like they guaranteed. gotta fall all the way to the wild card. And yeah, they're and that, like that matchup has been guaranteed for like a month. Yeah, just I just hate that so much. No, it's been guaranteed since Christmas. I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I yeah, you're right. You're so right. It's because just Boston running away in combination with the two and the three running away from the rest of their division. Yeah, kind of like the Avs. It's just stupid to me. It's anti-competitive. Like Batman loves the parody and how like every game matters and everybody's still in it till the end and blah blah blah. And it's like this is the antithesis of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. So I, I'm just trying to think of this, the rest of the season like this and just hope really <laughs> that it. Yeah works out in the end yeah and i wrote in our notes um the equivalent of what dallas is on pace for is 104 points the odds would have to win 15 out of their remaining 21 games to do so we said uh, a couple months ago that we didn't foresee them having like a very strong january and february but that was not true they they kind of picked things up in january and february so who knows maybe they'll do the same in this month of march because it's it, it's the month where you are going to string wins or losses together. There's no way it's not going to happen. And I remember the focus for the Avalanche last year was don't lose two in a row. Um, that's been left behind yeah. a little bit this season. <laughs> so you could tell that their outlook is probably a little different too. Um, I think I'm pretty optimistic though. I think the Avs have, like I said, when you have McKinnon and Rantanen and and even and I I would argue Gorgiev. Um, you've got a, a puncher's chance because we saw um, Gorgiev kind of come to life in his rebound game against the Kraken. And, and if not for him, that probably would have been a not even as close of a game and they probably wouldn't have gotten the overtime point. So I'm optimistic. I would tell fans just to take it easy and let it play out because it always does. Um, we'll move on to our conversation about the new guys. One of them not so new, but new this season in Jack Johnson. 
and then Lars Eller, number 20 for the Colorado Avalanche. Um, what are your thoughts on Jack Johnson's return and how has he played so far in your mind, Jackie? Um, I think he's been all right. He's played a lot, which I don't even think he really played that much when he was here last year. Like, I know in the playoffs, he was definitely around like eight or nine minutes. I wasn't expecting that, but I, I wasn't quite expecting like 19 either. Yeah. I thought he may, maybe, maybe more in the middle, like 14, 15 or something like that. So that surprised me a little bit. I think he's done all right. I, I think they are kind of asking a lot of him in some ways, especially with now Manson's out again. Like they definitely do need him. So, um, like I said, I think he's been all right. He's made some mistakes. Like it probably is hard to like recondition the Chicago Blackhawks out of him. Yeah. Um, what about so, Eller? What do you think of him? Eller's tough because I doubt he was brought in to be really flashy or make a lot of plays, but he just hasn't jumped off the ice to me at all. And like, it was a tough situation in playing in the very first game and he just showed up and, um, but I don't, I don't know. It's, it, it is hard because they've lost every single game. So you, <laughs> it's, it's really hard to be like, wow, it's been going great. Really yeah. good. Yeah. But I am a little bit concerned that he's kind of slowed down and mm -hmm. I, I don't, I just don't really see him making plays. And um, if he's going to play center, you'd at least like to see a little bit of playmaking, especially considering, you know, there's, there's not a ton of skill in the bottom six. So um, I guess I'm, especially considering what they paid, I hope yeah, for a little bit more. Rounder. Like we're not, we're not just looking at like a fourth liner here. Like they brought him in to play some real minutes. So I would like to see some offense at some point. Like he scored one point this calendar year. <laughs> it's a little, <laughs> That's scary. A little concerning from yeah. the offense standpoint, but I'm not writing him off. Not at all. It, like I said, it's, it's been a tough week in situation for him, but if you, if you paid what you're paying him and, and, uh, and you're going to play him the minutes, then hopefully, you know, he can, he can make that bottom six a little bit better. Yeah. Jack, you mentioned that he's not really playing to like a, the worth of the second round pick. I think it was in 2025 that he was exchanged for Evan. Do you think that that's true? And if it's true, what does a performance that's equal to that value look like for Lars Eller in your mind? Yeah. I mean, Jackie already said it pretty well. He has not lived up to standards and, you know, I think, it's it's funny, Jack Jack Johnson, you know, he Jack Johnson, Lars Eller, they both come to the Avalanche. Oh, we're gonna do so well. Oh, we're it's gonna be awesome. We're joining a new team, they're super good, immediately lose their first three games. So maybe maybe they're just like the bad luck charm or something. I don't know. But <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know. I, I think definitely for the price that we paid for Eller, and especially when you look into the like you know other move like nick menino i pointed that out in our round table today like the the price that was paid for him um right a that's, seventh. A, that's, a, that's <laughs> a really good price that's a really good deal and that's you know it, it it in my mind thinks that they overpaid for eller a little bit and so you know when when you look at what to get out of him because that's the tough part i feel like because you talk about like getting the playmaking in the bottom six right um and like trying to to create from down there and get and you know get scoring from there he's almost trying to be like a mini jt confer from last season i feel like and you know the the two the two i feel like they don't correlate well together like you can't really compare eller to confer 
I, I feel like there's just such a big gap there between Comfort's second line play and then Elder down there on the third line. So that's that's definitely concerning. Um, maybe and you know, like I said, it's only been three games for Elder and they haven't been great. And his first game, you know, I kind of just pushed that one aside because he showed up half an hour before the game started at the arena, coming straight off an airplane. So, um, you know, hopefully the next week looks better. Uh, I would like to see him get, you know, at least probably like an assist or something like that. Um, yeah. Maybe he just hasn't, maybe he just hasn't found the right pairing. And I know that Bednar too has kind of been shaking up lines a little, a little bit, especially last game against Seattle. So um, maybe just trying to figure out the best fit for him still. Too. I also feel like considering what they paid that they that he's a re-signed candidate now he obviously has to earn it yeah but I kind of think that that was their thinking especially since they don't want to let Manson go after bringing him in and he could have definitely just been a rental so um I hope he's good enough to re-sign because that means he plays better <laughs> yeah I hope and... so too I didn't think about that I mean <laughs> what I mean Eller's what 33 right yeah he I feel like he'd be like a mini helm or like a home replacement, I feel like at this point would just get. You Which know, have we line. have we been bitten by, by the idea mm-hmm. of short term contract for an older guy who seems to be slowing mm-hmm. down? Not that I think Helm <laughs> was really slowing down, but physically, obviously, he has well, in terms of recovery time. That's the difference the, between the two players for me. Is Helm had the speed to be exactly yeah. what Bednar wanted in the bottom six, exactly. and Eller has never been that guy. So. Hopefully Eller doesn't have off-season surgery. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Hopefully, hopefully he becomes more of the Andrew Cogliano one-year signing because he's been good. I I thoroughly yes. enjoyed Cogliano down there. Like that was yeah. a good one-year deal. I feel like when especially when they signed both players back in the off-season, I, I I would think that they would go with Cogliano over Helm, but they went with both. Right. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, you know, whatever. I guess we'll see how they do. Um, obviously, one has fared a lot better than the other. And one, yeah, one has had off-season surgery. And yeah. One yeah. Ezra, Evan mentioned that, like, maybe it's a matter of him not finding the right line mates. Is there, like, an ideal line that you see him or a group of, of individuals that you see him with? You know, it's tricky because I feel like the what was working about the uh, third line with Newhook at center uh, between O'Connor and Cagliano was was speed, um, really, and and that's something that Eller doesn't bring. So I, I like that line. I would be interested to see what that line looks like together again. Mm-hmm. I liked what they tried with um, Malgin and uh, and Newhook um, and Rodriguez yesterday. I, I don't know. I haven't looked at the stats yet to see how it did. Um, so I wouldn't want to necessarily put uh, Eller in with Malgin and Rodriguez either um I, I i see eller as a good player who does a good job at what he does well but i don't really see a lot of line mates that fit his him stylistically outside of cogliano and o'connor which is what they've already been trying yeah um so i think i think it just has to be those guys finding a fit together because those are the three guys who play the most cycle uh a game in the bottom six and and that's eller's strength so Basically, I just think it's going to take time, not necessarily juggling the lines. Yeah. I think that's the most uh, mature takeaway from what we've seen so far from Eller. Yeah. I know, the comedian. I just called the comedian mature. What are we doing? (laughs) But um, I I think 
you got to see, you got to find out. And what's unfortunate for Chris McFarland is he might be wrong about both of them. Um, and the Avs will, the Avs fans will have it out for him. I've made a, a kind of a backhanded meme today. That was the car <laughs> swerving off of the highway where it says uh, the exit sign leads to fire Bednar, fire McFarland, fire sacking. <laughs> and then the stay on the highway sign says rational reaction. And the car is Colorado Avalanche fans swerving into the fire, everybody <laughs> lane. But well, for me, it's odd that they think this is all McFarland's fault. Like, yeah. <laughs> like things drastically changed. It's when, still both of them. Yeah. When they changed titles. And the other thing is like outside of last year when they did have a good and aggressive or more aggressive deadline, they've never had a good deadline. All the deadlines that Sackick had before <laughs> last year were pretty poor. Soderberg. So, so I don't. That's, so yeah. just saying, like, Como. oh, McFarland screwed up. It's his fault. Like, hello. The yeah. deadline always sucks. Yeah. It is the the veteran depth ad move that's yes, been classic. Exactly. And what they did differently last year was look at guys with term, which I think what um, or not necessarily with term, but RFAs uh, or guys resign candidates, I should say. Um, and I, I think it's just an opportunity thing this year more than it is uh, a change in uh, beliefs. Because if there was a guy who fit like that, they could have got him. Yeah. But that guy on the market this year is Tanner Janot, who we don't want. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, they also you know, didn't have and, it. They and shouldn't have paid that much for. Yeah. Two top D yeah. prospects and current well, second round pick trade. Yeah. No right, draft right. The opportunity to even play is, with is yeah. not reasonable uh, to expect. But, uh, or, yeah, but I mean they they've spent those 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 assets already. But uh, I don't know. I didn't get a chance to speak on Jack Johnson. So real quick, yeah, go he's ahead. been fine. I mean he he turns the puck over every once in a while, but also he every time pretty much recovers and like dives and pokes it away. So yeah. you you don't obviously want your defenseman having to dive every shift, but he's done a good job out there, I think. And yeah, and I he's been exactly who I would expect. Him yeah, you see the totally veteran moxie in that recovery to mistakes which I think is what makes a veteran a veteran. It's like you're going to you're gonna have those blunders every once in a while, but it's how you respond to them that basically earn you a long-term career um, in the NHL. So that's a, good, that's a good assessment. Evan, I didn't have you uh, mention anything about Jack Johnson. Do you have any comments? Yeah, I was going to say, as you touched on it really well, that, you know, he's been good, good defensively. He's obviously been asked a lot of, you know, I'm in the similar boat with Jackie. I don't – I didn't expect him to be playing almost 20 minutes a night, but you know, just because of the the state of the Avs defense, I guess that's just kind of how it is. And I feel like if Bednar is going to trust anybody to do it, it would be him. Yeah, you know. But for a veteran, um, he fits the system pretty well. Like a lot of guys at his age, end of their career, might not work at all in the system. Like it even took Manson quite a while to really get indoctrinated into the system and be able to execute it so i can also see from that standpoint you just know that it's so funny like jack johnson is this punchline outside of our circle and his analytics are pretty terrible but he just works in this system we have seen far worse like we if anybody has experience watching terrible defensemen it's us so (laughs) no i mean you're you're exactly right though like and don't remind me he's if he's if he's doing exactly what he's doing and needing to do, then great. 
I would have liked to see him finish that that chance that he had last night against Seattle, uh, where he just mishandled the puck, you know, right there in the slot. Because um, boy, would you could you have imagined <laughs> coming yeah, he's coming back? Like I know. I don't know if we've discussed that his like career shoot shootout percentage is like 42 percent it's like ridiculous <laughs> what, really really wow. yes. oh my God. like when he was with columbus that's amazing took quite a few shootout attempts so i'm not talking about out of like seven attempts no he's up there in like 30 <laughs> attempts or something like that like when he was with columbus that was that's actually awesome. something that that they went with and it worked so that also explains how he was able to score that first goal against chicago last year like He's got a he's got a breakaway move or something, so it is possible. We, we <laughs> saw it against Chicago. That peak Jack Johnson, you know, was like the prototypical offensive defenseman. He was so good in his prime. Uh, it's really easy to forget that. It doesn't surprise me that he's he was he. It does surprise me that he's uh, taken any shootouts in the last you know right. like decade. But it doesn't <laughs> surprise me that his uh, shootout percentage would be high from back then. I couldn't would, believe would when he... I saw that. I was like, is this a typo? That's crazy. <laughs> no. I mean, he was I... traded one for one for Jeff Carter, who was a superstar. Like, they, they, he was a good player. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's okay. True. I didn't even think of that. Would Jack Johnson have the, featured in the shootout if they had gone to a shootout last night against Seattle? No, but I think, <laughs> you know. But 15 years ago, yes. Past five or six deep. I mean, what, either him or Nieto? Like, he, Options are going to dwindle pretty quick, so why yeah. not? I honestly yeah. might take Jack Johnson over Matt Nieto in a shootout. I honestly yeah, Nieto might. would come in slowly down the wall and just shoot it. Probably. <laughs> that's no, a, I'm that's a futures bit if you've ever heard one. Jack Johnson to score a shootout goal for the Colorado Avalanche. <laughs> It'd probably get you a lot of money. But if he gets the chance, it sounds like – it, it's just a matter of him getting the chance at it. He's right, forty percent right. on it. Forty-two percent. That's wild. Oh my gosh. That's gonna be. That's gonna be in some NHL trivia, like for like twenty years down the line. Yeah, what I'm gonna Jack write it Johnson's... in this crappy book. <laughs> what was what was Jack Johnson's shootout percentage? And you know, there's there's gonna be like, I don't know. There's gonna be sixty-nine percent, two percent, forty-two percent, and yeah. like, I don't know, fifteen percent. And people are going to say 15 or 2% out of the very few chances that he got. So if it happens, you heard it here first. Thanks to Jackie, who dropped the information on us. Um, <laughs> and thank you, folks, for listening and tuning in today. This is the Mile High Hockey Lab. You're with Adrian, Ezra, Evan, and Jackie. I'll have Mosier tell us, tell you guys who you are, who we are real quick. The whole name right. Mile High Hockey Lab. Not what that means. That's, that's us. That is us. Um, I had to get that's a backhanded way of getting Mosher to say our name, but I figured it out one way or another. Um, so before we end the show, I just kind of wanted to do an open ended segment. I know, Ezra, you mentioned in our chat that you had some words for a certain person's performance against the Dallas Stars. You want to start with that? Oh, sure. Oh, my God. That Dallas game was Dennis Malgan's worst day as an adult. I, I, I don't understand. <laughs> What happened there? The the goal where he literally has it on his stick and tries to clear the zone and then it just doesn't it doesn't it's there and I think it's like Ty Delandria or I don't know somebody who's not even good for Dallas just is like oh I'll I'll tap that in thank yeah. you. Um, uh, Keith Kincaid's pads I also want to talk about. <laughs> how, I'm sorry how is it how are they still gold? He's been here for at least a week. What are we doing? I just can't yeah. believe in the NHL that. And and how does everybody not have just like a white set? Yeah, <laughs> right. Like 
Yeah, for real. Like, what Maybe are we doing? Like you got to a... have one generic set just in case, right? He has the yeah. helmet, but he needs he needs everything else. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I love Dan Malgin getting a goal in Seattle to bounce back from that terrible yeah. day. But but did y'all see what I see? Was Malgin uh, just being asked to do too much? No, you're absolutely right. Like, and especially on that goal, because I called him out on Twitter for that on our on our on our Twitter account. Oh yeah, and people were not happy with me. I was like. He just left it for him, and yeah. like, why? So time. You know, it was crazy. It was ridiculous, but I will yeah. say, and actually, to kind of go back to your point, Ezra, about like trying to figure out where Eller kind of fits uh, that line with Newhook and and Rodriguez and Mulligan that ha- that they played yesterday. I mean, yeah. it's it set up that second goal. I mean, Rodriguez, you know, had a really good puck battle there on the wall, um, and you know was yeah. able to knock it, you know to Makar and then of course Makar's beautiful pass, you know, down the oh, line yeah. or down, you know, stretch it to Mulgan. I mean, that was whoo, that was beautiful. And then I, also for some reason the athletics, the athletic writer for Toronto was retweeted us and was like, it's so cool to see two superstars, you know, working together. And of course, you know, talking about Mulgan and Makar. Oh. And of course, you know, some people in his comments are going, you know, they they went. Oh, I only see one superstar, and then there's Kale McCarr too, and it's just like, oh my gosh, Toronto, oh, yeah. <laughs> Toronto, so Toronto. Uh, so you know, I'm and I, the... I, I, oh, go ahead. Sorry, I was gonna say I I agree with Savannah. So hi Savannah. Uh, that the, that color combo was absolutely terrible. Yeah, Savannah I, Lincoln <laughs> says what a that color combo was so bad. It, yeah, it we, was so bad. I mean, to be fair, it it did kind of because when at least when they were playing on the road, right, in their whites and with the yellow pads, it almost like maybe could have fit the reverse retros. But, oh yeah, they no, would no, fit the reverse right retros. Oh, the reverse retros for yeah. sure. Yeah, with but the, the, yellows, the yellow, yellow, the yellow is just not quite exactly right. And of course, you know, it's like a trim of yellow anyway. Yeah, yeah, know, on those reverse retros, so it would have been you know outlandishly yellow <laughs> if, if he ever wore the reverse retros while also wearing his bruins gear so it did, might go you know. okay for the eagles because they have the colorado yeah. they have the yellow yeah colors, so that might look a little bit better but i know we're not picking on him because it's just kind of <laughs> no, the way was, it is but it just seems say, silly in today's nhl has Kincaid played yet for the Eagles, or is it no, always? Is it just he didn't. Okay. Mm. Our analysis of that trade was pretty far off based on how everything. I'm shocked he's in the right? NHL. Yeah. It's uh, and I am I'm st- I'm shocked too. I didn't think we were that far off by thinking what we thought. I, what did we exactly say? I mean, I I kind of feel like he just they're just calling up different guys. Like I bet I, it's JoJo's turn. Yeah. Tomorrow. Well. This is, this is, I think, before, right after it happened is when Undunen was about to get his start, which, sad face. So it felt like Kincaid was more of a person to be put into the AHL um, goalie mix so that Undunen or JoJo could make the jump in a more effective way and a more long-term basis with uh, Francois out. But it just hasn't shaken up that way. He's playing because Francois is out. (laughs) And Undunen... Although he seemed to kind of get himself right towards the middle and end of his start, he really did kind of look out of sorts to start the game. And I think that that kind of might have tinted a little bit how the organization views his development and his readiness. Um, Ezra, you seem like that that, that kind yeah. of causes a reaction. I- 
I feel like he got left out on an island to yeah. start that game. And and yeah, he didn't handle it super well, but I wouldn't put I, I mean, any goalie giving up five goals on the first fifteen shots, that's on them a little bit. Yeah. I'm not gonna take blame off of him. But uh the first goal is just brutal coverage, and then the yeah. second goal is just brutal coverage, and then the third goal is brutal coverage. So, you know, <laughs> I don't know how much you can really uh well, I think I but I did wanna uh Sorry, go ahead, Jackie. I was going to say, after Georgiev gave up basically the same the next night, doesn't maybe quite look as bad. Yeah, it's true. That's right. That's right. But yeah, I think ultimately Kincaid shakes out as an AHL goaltender, but I, he did get some time. I don't know. I want to go back really quick to the, the Rodriguez-Newhook-Malgin line because yeah. I pulled up the uh, the uh, natural stat trick for the game uh, against the Kraken and that line was actually of lines that got more than one minute together. That line led the team in expected goals for percentage. And you know who the second line is the second place on that uh, list is Cogliano Eller O'Connor. So maybe this bottom (laughs) six really works. Obviously that does mean Mm -hmm. that uh, Miko and Nate were a little bit off, but you know, um, wow. it's I, nice to see that the bottom six was working. Yeah, their expected goals was like 15%, so it was not a good night. No. no. I, I'm interested then in that case, because I, I didn't even realize, I didn't, I, I didn't look at natural stat trick. I didn't realize that it was that high, I guess, for both of those lines. So um, yeah. I'm interested then to see how that will play out, not on the second night of a back-to-back. Because I think that definitely needs to be taken into account too. That you know mm-hmm. they're coming out of a back-to-back where they just got blown out in Dallas, and you know obviously while well, the Avs were going to play hot, no oh, English Evan, <laughs> while well, the Avs were going to play, you know come out of the gate they're going to try and you know give Seattle everything that they've got. Uh, you know it's it's still you know they're still going to be rusty and tired and. Yeah. Uh, and to kind of go back to Miko too, we could also probably touch on this too. Um, his his antics, man, getting that that misconduct penalty at the end of the second period. Uh, that that's at least three, four times now this season that some he's done something like that. And yeah. I know Bednar said he talked to him both in the intermission, and he's also talked about it to him like before. But man, I mean, that's just something you can't control. Like, Yeah, we didn't talk about him showing the ring to the fan in Dallas. <laughs> that was great. Yeah, that was really I, good. You know, I, I wear it on like this one passion. here. Yeah. Like, I, I get it that he just, he can't lose it on the refs. He hates losing. He's just never going to win that, <laughs> yeah. that battle, but I do kind of like the, the fire and the passion from yeah. Nico. I do yeah. too. Don't get don't get me wrong. I think it's it just needs to be not directed at referees. <laughs> We saw a little bit out of the of that out of Nathan McKinnon a few years ago and in the years past, other than really last year and this year, um, and even a little bit this year when he got checked in the corner a couple games ago in Chicago um, and he wanted to drop the gloves with a guy who'd literally never fought before in his entire career. So <laughs> I think, like, like Jackie says, it points towards a competitive streak. Uh, it points towards a guy who doesn't like to get embarrassed and who is likely kind of frustrated with the way that that Dallas game was shaking out. Um, and, and they were calling anything. Like I don't think the in the three games that they just played and lost, obviously, they haven't really had a penalty called against them that wasn't like delay of game or high mm-hmm. sticking. You know, there wasn't any like interference or holding or hooking, tripping, et cetera, called in those That's three games. And I think that's how 
that kind of feeds into Miko's frustration because Dallas got away with a lot. That first period with a lot of late hits. And so I think that it kind of builds up because he gets so mad because like people are holding on to him and and things like that. And and then that's how he retaliates. So I'm not saying like it's okay, but I kind of get where he's coming from too. And he got that extra penalty in the first period when Hockenpah took out. uh, That's right. I, I don't remember Lekinen. who Lekinen, I think. Lekinen. And, mm-hmm. and then Rantanen just kind of gets in his way to say something and gets called for a penalty for something after Hockenpah cross-checks into the ice. I'm sure he said something bad, you know, but that <laughs> that's going to frustrate you. You get a call for that. And then obviously <laughs> it doesn't work out later to, to double down and yell at the refs and they've already called you for a penalty like that. They're going to do it again, obviously. But, uh, but I kind of empathize with him more than I do – say anything to the negative because like that game was crazy for for the abs to not get a power play until there's five minutes left in the game in a game that's that chippy uh, it doesn't make any sense well that's so interesting that we bring this up because i hadn't even thought about this but last year a lot of the naysayers of colorado pointed towards the fact that they led the league in power play opportunities um and interestingly enough this year they are bottom 15 it looks like in power play five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen yeah they're they're 14 from the bottom so they're definitely bottom 15 in power play chances is it as 18th yeah yes and and crazy enough this is led by ottawa edmonton detroit tampa pittsburgh florida la and boston right now it seems like the east maybe gets more penalty calls yeah and to put that in perspective (laughs) last year the Avalanche at the end of the regular season finished with 200, excuse me. Yeah. 279 power plays. They currently, yeah, that's a ton. And they currently have been on 192. So they'd need 80 more power plays in the next 21 games to get as many power play chances as they had last year. That doesn't include the playoffs. Nope. That's all regular season right there. Holy cow. So that's ridiculous. Why? Landis what happened? I guess right? <laughs> he does. Jost. He does draw a lot of penalties. Jost, yeah, Jost. Jost. That's real. That's he did. He did. He, no, because Jost is for real. So <laughs> we need a penalty drawer. Is what I'm hearing. Yeah. It is curious though. Is it? That's yeah, a huge change. Getting, um, you know, I'd say when they're not playing well, like that. That's part of it. That's part of it. Like the New yeah. Jersey game, Skating I'm not well. as, you know, maybe they were, they didn't play that game as well. But the Dallas game, like Ezra said, there's no way that Dallas did not commit an infraction, committed yeah. no infraction <laughs> in that no. game. No. So is it, you know, when they are playing well, because they've had stretches this year where they played really well and their speed should draw them power plays. And yeah, always, right? So we're looking at the balance of the season thus far when they've basically played more good than bad and and there there is such a deficit so it is interesting like are they getting called differently because the talent's still there and the speed and everything so you would think that like wonder that would still happen does winning change the way refs view you i think some yeah you know what i'm saying but it's supposed to be impartial but they're not they're human no they're not (laughs) it's like i wouldn't be surprised at putting myself in in their shoes it's like you guys have been there, done that. I don't need to give you anything. Yeah. You know? And especially, like, I feel like specifically with Rantanen, he has been doing this all year where he, he yells at refs and, you know, 
he does a lot of chippy stuff and then gets mad when he gets called yeah, for it yeah, and chippy stuff gets done to him and he gets mad when it doesn't get called and he's not wrong like i said i, I i'm empathized but also if a ref is gonna see a guy slash a guy and then get slashed and be like hey why didn't you call the slash the ref's not gonna give you any benefit yeah. of doubt he's like yeah. come on idiot i see what's happening yeah. you know so yeah. uh I don't. I'm not. I, I don't know any stats about Ranton and specifically drawing penalties, changing or anything like that. But I wouldn't be surprised if he's getting a lot less calls than he used to. And it definitely yeah. seems that way. Just thinking about Good it right point. now. Good point. I, yeah. I, I think to add to your point, Adrian, just about referees not not wanting to help because you won. I was going to say a few words. Game four and game five, John Cooper. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, too many men on the ice. Um, but I will tell you this. Uh, it's been wonderful talking avalanche hockey with you three today. Um, in fact, I would Denver, go as far as to say as it's. Colorado, you guys have been fucking amazing for the last 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> How city... sick are you guys going to get at those drops? I'm like regretting no, never. about StreamYard. <laughs> How dare you show me StreamYard? Don't worry. I'll change it. I'll I, get a couple. No, I'm, I'm kidding. It's fun. I love it. It's great. I love. I was in the crowd when Landy said that, and I loved it. I didn't even me too. care. I that recorded dad, that. I didn't even <laughs> care that my dad was next to me. You know, I was, you know. We were both just loving life, so yeah. I'm never gonna get sick of it. It's like, don't worry about it at all. Yeah, I'm 100 uh, kidding. It's great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I would. I never take you seriously, Ezra, unless you have good, that really good. serious look on your face. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you three for joining me. This has been the Mile High Hockey Lab, our 18th installment. I titled it March Mania because I feel like I can't say March Madness anyway. Yes. Um, <laughs> but yes thank you for march listening <laughs> yeah, to our march mcdonald's uh <laughs> broadcast uh we will be back with you next monday at 3 30 mountain time hopefully if that's not the case we will inform all of you be sure to like subscribe and check out uh check us out on spotify and apple music um we are there in our recorded form um, and yeah, go Colorado Avalanche. We'll see you in about a week. Mile High Hockey Lab. Mile High Hockey Lab. Mile High Hockey Lab.